We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the Permission Granted Podcast 102. Thanks for being with us. You can subscribe to the PGP via its own iTunes feed, as you know by now. Go to iTunes, search Permission Granted Podcast. You'll see all of our four ugly mugs there. Subscribe completely for free, and you'll get that uploaded to your iTunes on a weekly basis. We usually release it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Also, it's available on the normal DA Show iTunes feed if you subscribe to the show. And it's always available via our Facebook page, our Twitter profiles, and on the website, daoncbs.com. PGP number 102 will be known as the Mraz Block Party Recap because on Saturday was the 10th annual. And a couple of things to go over here, Mraz, we did not touch on during the show Numero uno, what happened to the Bayou Barry? He had called his shot saying he was going to take you down in a some type of eating challenge at the, the block party, and he never showed. I wasn't even thinking about the Bayou Bear when I went, and then I didn't see him, obviously, and then it was brought to my attention on the Facebook page by a listener of ours. So are we just extending the Peter Gammon's diamond notes here on the block party? Yeah, Is that what I we're think doing so. Here? Okay, so an extension at the Bayou Bear. I, too, am guilty of forgetting about the Bayou Bear up until, I would say, Thursday. On thir- oh, You know what? I'm sorry. The day before Friday, I was off of work. I took a personal day. I was helping my folks out. And I got I received a text from the Bayou Bear, who uh, has my cell phone number. And he told me, hey, man, really sorry. I'm not going to be able to make it tomorrow. My work uh, did not approve my vacation time for this week. From and New Orleans. From New Orleans. So he's coming up now in the middle of August, I was told. So he, he had reached out. And when, he, when I received that text, it, I had completely forgotten about the Bayou Bear, which is a bad job by me. And, uh, I, you know, he apologized, and he said it'll be up in mid-August. Huh. Huh is right. Well, thank huh. goodness we didn't go with a full-throttle promotion, you know, the days leading up, and then true. he tells us. That's true. We're saved there. Yeah, for those that don't know, the Bayou Bear is um, a former neighbor of yours. Well, not even a neighbor. Dates the neighbor. Dates the neighbor. Yes. You called her the girl down the street. She became Which very, technically she is. She became very offended because apparently you guys are close. She's a close family friend of your sister's. Yeah, she, she was my sister's best friend growing up. But you up. called her the girl down the block. Well, because she's the girl down, down the block. How much more detail do I have to go into? Well, I think that if that makes it sound like she's not really an acquaintance, you just kind of know her as a neighbor. Instead, she's very close friends, maybe the best friend of one of your sisters, I was told. Uh, yeah, I guess she would be, but I, I don't know. Maybe I just view it differently. I, I think by suggesting she's my sister's best friend and the Bayou Bear is dating 
her, it would suggest that somehow I'm with the Bayou Bear every weekend, which couldn't be further from the truth, I think was the point I was trying to make. I think you're reading into that too much. I just think you're not giving her proper respect. Maybe I'm not. So, Erin, I apologize. Thank you for being the EMT and bandaging me up there in the chicken challenge. So it ends up that her boyfriend lives in New Orleans, got um, moved down there for work, right. listens to the show, was upset that you were getting all of this glory for your eating uh, prowess, and then ended up uh, calling in and challenging you at the block party to take you down, and we were all about it, and then the show ended up he didn't show. He didn't show, which just shows, again, if you really wanted to come eat against me and make a big name for yourself and make a big splash like he did, you do everything you can to get down there or up there, and he didn't. So, once again, I am the king. You're calling him out. I have to now, right? I mean, he's the one who came on the air and talked a lot of smack about the block party and all this. Well, are you willing to do something in mid-August Oh, here we it? go. <sighs> I mean, I've been enjoying my vacation post chicken challenge. Depends what it is. I could be this. I could be talked into something depending on what it is. Okay. If that makes any sense. Maybe there's just a standard number of of food that we can see if he can do. Like maybe he can just eat the fifty two chicken nuggets within whatever your time was nine minutes and forty eight seconds or something. Oh, you know what? That wouldn't be a bad idea because that could be a good preliminary to if he beats me. If- then if he's a worthy challenger. We figure out if he's a worthy challenger before he steps in the ring, if right. that makes any sense. All right, so that's a good uh, a good kind of feeling out process. Maybe he'll have to challenge one of your records and see if he can take it down to see if he's worthy of a challenge. That's it, a preliminary, and then maybe we build it up like a good Vegas fight where we have to wait all through football season, that kind of deal. We wait till, and that's next February's goal kind of deal. Oh, my goodness, that's really far in advance. Well, I mean, how many trips up can he make? What are you going to make him eat 51 nuggets? He's got to come back the next day and eat versus me? Well, I don't know. we got to see how often he gets back up Think here. Think about but- these UFC. Fu- well, we don't want to do anything during football season, do we? But his girlfriend lives up here, so he's got to come back a little bit. Uh, well, she goes down quite a few times. He's got to come up quite a few times. All right. Well, we'll figure that. I don't know his travel schedule, you know, is what I'm saying. Maybe, but I think we're on to something. Maybe check into it. We'll check into it. Maybe we take the show on the road to New Orleans <laughs> to eat in his turf. Number two, how was the cleanup? After the block party, the day after. It's always the worst. Always the worst. Because what happens is, a lot of times, and I'm sure people have done this, whenever you have a party, as you as things wind down, you try to put some stuff away, but you never get everything away, obviously. But even what you go to pack away, it's always like a drunken cleanup, if you will. Things get maybe moved from where they are, but they're not properly sure. put away or yes. washed down or anything. So, you know, basically things are all over the place. The, the driveway's a mess. I mean, there's... The remnants of the ice luge now has melted, and whatever liquor was in there is hardened up on a oh. table. It's really disgusting and gross. And then you have the cooler situation. You know, it becomes a potpourri, potpourri, if you will, of beers. Potpourri, that's right. Uh, whatever beers be- between what, you know, the night it started with and what other people had brought, and, you know, whatever was left, which we had more beers left than usual, but I think more people brought beers this year. Yeah. You have to take them out of the coolers before they skunk up, get them away hosing down the driveway. I mean, I don't want to be too graphic, but there were a couple scenes of vomiting that went on at this block really? party. This was probably the most vomit, if you will, that had occurred wow. at a block party. Uh, even the backyard, there were a couple patches of, uh, of vomit. Things People were, were hurling all over the place. It was a lot, way too much liquor drank. Way too much. There was pockets of vomit? I didn't see anybody vomit. Now, I left by 10. I'm guilty. You vomited. Yeah, you were actually there for the first time, which shows you you were away. Uh, when I went to, quote-unquote, become a cardinal, which was this thing going on on the yes. show. This was right after dessert I had chosen to do this. So I had slugged down a piece of cheesecake and a cannoli, 
after, uh, you know, drinking how much I, I had drank. And then I went, I basically, to this Cardinal game, which, you know, you guys can look it up. I had gone through about, I would say, five beers in about a half an hour on top of that cheesecake. And I ran right to the street in front of the next door neighbor's house with the crawfish and let loose basically on the corner of the driveway and on the street. And this was 8.45, I believe. I looked down at the time. The you sun puked before 9. Before 9. Like, I even looked, and the sun was still partially up. And I said, oh, boy, I better rally here. I had two glasses of water. I went inside for about 10 minutes. I came back out, and I finished the night strong. You puked before 9 p.m. Yeah. And I've, I'm not a hurler when I drink. But I blame it on the cheesecake. I think it was the cheesecake. And so there were more pockets of vomit? Yes. Uh, apparently, I know my cousin Zach, not to throw him under the bus, was he was responsible for one. Well, uh, I'm going to give him a pass. You know me. I consider him one of the great block party all-stars of all time. Yeah, of course. He's always in the game, right? He's, he's always, always in the, the ga- game. He's always in the game. And he's like Cal Ripken. You look up, he's always there. Last year in uh, block party number nine, 2015, with the ice luge, what I like to do is cook up creative shots. Right. Something that tastes sweet or whatever, whatever you're looking for. I like that's that's my whole bit. I, I fancy myself a, a Tom Cruise in cocktail. What the ice luge last year, and I didn't see this this year. Maybe it turned into it after I left. Last year was not a finesse game. It was a power game. Oh yeah, people as long as they could go. So then the game became last year, hold up your right arm, hold up your right hand, put your mouth at the bottom of the ice luge, and ask the bartender at that point, usually it was me, <laughs> to keep pouring the alcohol until your arm goes down. And and that's... Dangerous. A, it's dangerous. B, it kind of defeats the entire purpose of like enjoying what you're drinking. You're only imbibing as much alcohol as possible simply to get blotto. I mean, obliterated. But but because there's no actual glass and you're sipping down a, you know, a giant runway, if you will, you can fit more in your mouth. You're not relying on the shot glass size. No, I know. I mean, I know. I, it is so America. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you're not even... You're not even tasting what you're drinking. You just want to fast forward to the moment that you're destroyed. Exactly. That's it. You hit the fast forward button. That's it. It's like alcohol is meant to have a bite, especially hard alcohol, so that by nature's choice, you're not just drinking it like water. You're not overindulging it. Exactly. And you need cutters and you need juices. You need sodas. And this is just... I need to get from point A to point Z as quickly and as painlessly as possible. And nobody has a smoother game at doing that than my cousin Zach. So Zach held up his arm for what felt like an eternity. I really felt <laughs> I felt like I was pouring. I think it was Smirnoff. I think I was pouring Smirnoff for what felt like 45 seconds to a minute. I mean, could you imagine chugging? So... To me, he's an all-star beyond all-stars. So you forbid the pocket of vomit the next morning that I he left. I forgive him. I forgive. Forgive it, yes. I used the wrong I, word. I again. have to. I mean, I can't believe what could make him puke if that didn't last year. I'm going to blame the cheesecake, probably. I think dessert's a bad move when you're drinking. Yeah. I saw him eating dessert as well. You should not be eating creamy desserts on top of alcohol. 
But there was none of that, right? There was no timed no, ice you know luge what? pounding. And maybe that's a safer game. Maybe we've learned. And, uh, yeah, think. And the block party's advanced in terms of safety. There's been a lot more research done. Yeah, um, right. You know, taking a lot of pages from the NFL here <laughs> that we would only pour out of shot glasses and no straight bottle pouring. Now, if, if that, that's kind of like the bottle protocol, like the concussion protocol. Right. If you did not follow the bottle protocol and, and pour straight out of the bottle, well, maybe you have your town, uh, bl- you know, street blockage provoked, remoked, you- removed. Revoked. 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 Okay. Here's what I also appreciate about your block party, uh, specifically your house, is that you, at least your dad, I don't know about your mom, really likes to see everybody destroyed. Oh, yeah. It's not about, like, let's have a few beers, everybody have a good time, listen to music. It's we're going to encourage high-end, high-volume drinking. And I think... He comes from a family of seven siblings. Oh, yeah. From what I've gathered, I don't know them all by name, but I've gathered all of the siblings feel the same exact way. Essentially, yes. That's it. It's all party. Live our life once. No, I agree. And I know at my party, like at my family parties, drinking is always part of it. We always have beers. But may not be the focus of it. Well, there's always beers. There's always wine. There's rarely like vodka soda or rum and Cokes, but like... We'll have some, probably some cognac or something. Like, people could sip on hard alcohol, but, like, if you puked, you're a real pariah in the family. (laughs) If you are stumbling around, and I've been that guy before at a party of my family's, like, that's real. You're off the deep end. Right. You know? What's wrong with this guy? Right. But at your block party and at your house, it is highly encouraged to get to that point. Yeah. it's My father has said for a long time, to his credit, when he bought a house over 20 years ago now, it was when we have parties at this house, not like you're going to be sitting there partying every weekend at the house. I want everybody to enjoy themselves, and I'm going all out. Yeah. So, I mean, whether it be, I mean, through the years of all of uh, me and my siblings graduating high school or college and these block parties now that have gone on for 10 years, yeah, you know, he'll have the beer and wine, but he makes sure he puts out a full bar there for everybody, oh, yeah. and he wants everybody to have a good time and get home safely. He stresses enough cabs, trains. Sleep over if you have to. He doesn't want anybody leaving there. Right. But essentially, somebody, if you're coming with a party of five, let's say, from a family, <laughs> four of those five people should be getting destroyed, and one person should be able to get you home, if not all five, and everybody stays over and gets home another way. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you come with five and only one person's getting destroyed, you're looked upon poorly because you're not having a good time. It's an incredible dynamic. It really encourages everybody to really, really let Well, loose. and what's great about it is, like you were saying, the pariah, nobody should feel embarrassed. No. If you If you hurl and you no. stumble, all it gets no. looked upon is the next year you bring up, ah, I remember when you did that, and it's not looked upon in a bad way, you laugh about it. You're part of the, you're just part of the fabric. That's it. It's part of being into, being on the block party society. So that folds into your Uncle Scott with the Cardinal. Oh, jeez. So I don't think people would know this i've never heard of this game he said he was taught uh this game in upstate new york i think near buffalo olean if i'm not mistaken at st bonaventure boy you got a lot more details on this game than i did i believe one of his friends went to st bonaventure he went up to visit him and at st bonnie's they did this drinking game and it's uh it's like a saying where you have to uh repeat this kind of mantra and i cardinal puff have my first drink of the evening boom boom and you have to follow the mannerisms and you, you have to follow that's a, that's a good point and you fill up your cup of beer your solo cup of beer halfway so it's half a beer now your uncle scott said he, he used to play it or the real initiation was a full beer so and then it's i cardinal puff puff 
enjoy my second drink of the evening. Right. And you have to follow the mannerisms where you tap the cup and you raise it twice. And then you have to do that three times through three puffs and right. three drinks. And then it, and when you finish that uh, drink, you tap it down and say, once a card, will always the card. And then flip the cup upside flip down. The cu- if any part of the mannerisms are incorrect or if you stumble or make a mistake on the wording or the verbiage, you have to stop, drink the entire cup, and then start over from the beginning. So as you get drunker, it becomes way harder. Right, because you're drinking half beers very quickly because, let's face it, nobody. it sounds easy. You're not getting it on the first try. No way. You're always screwing something up. You have to pay attention. But it ended up being a very fun. You're sitting there going through everything, and you sit there very quickly pounding beers as fast as you can, not realizing what's going on. I think I messed up five times. Maybe six times. So that was an easy three beers, and it was only like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And so, like you were saying, I saw you go back for seconds. Because the first time I lost it and vomited on the street. So, and as you said, like you could could race through easily a six-pack in a half hour. 100%. And if you were playing with full cups of beer... I mean, forget it. It's uh, you could be a six pack in ten minutes. It gets very hairy and very dicey. And so, yeah, you're just—it's so much beer and it's so much volume. <laughs> but the game is really fun. It's, it gets you really focused too. It, it's an odd focus because you want to make sure you're a part of this, you know, illustrious group. Yes, you have no idea who the other Cardinals are. No, no, <laughs> but you know you want to be one of them. You absolutely. And once you've started it, you cannot stop. It's not like forget it. This is too hard. I'm walking away. You've got to do it because you just become so motivated to finish. Right. Now, there were a few people I saw that did not finish, that did really? not make it through, and I remember getting texts on Sunday, I can't believe I didn't finish that. I got to look it up and figure out. So it bothers people afterwards if you don't get in the club. There's a picture, actually, I had sent to me. I think seven of us made it through. <laughs> really? Seven of us made it through. There were seven cardinals, uh, and my uncle was the bishop, if you will. Yes. Your uncle Scott was the bishop. I I think I was the first cardinal through, maybe the second. You were the, I believe you were the first, the first. because he was doing a lot of, you know, and I had no idea what you guys were talking about. And then Eventually, like we had mentioned with the ice, was you catch his buzz around the party. Yeah. How do I become a cardinal? What's yeah. going on here? I got to become a cardinal. I'm surprised seven people were able to do it because it's not easy. It wasn't easy. Um, but you know what? When you get that determined, you got to respect the determination. I would say seven made it through, and I know of at least four that didn't. That after going several times, just had no motor skills left and couldn't do it. So, again, your Uncle Scott really encouraging binge drinking. That's it. If you're not binge drinking, it's time to go home. <laughs> America is listening, thinking my family's the biggest disgrace right now. Oh, God. There was a, my oh, my mother's my friend, uh, or my parents' friend, Dan, is a guy named Danny. He was really super focused on doing this. Yeah. Uh, and to his credit, he sat there, and he couldn't figure out the last move of flipping the cup, and he would kind of step away from the table and walk back and kind of watch other people do it. He was like a, a football coach in the film room, mm. just trying to make sure he got his study down. And I was very happy, finally, he got through, and he, he seemed to be the most celebratory with the idea. He got through. He got through it. He got through it. He watched enough tape. Eventually, he climbed the mountain. He got through, like he got through to the Sweet Sixteen. He That's made it, it out of the first. He weekend. got, he got it out. He got out of there. Be looking forward to seeing him next year. So more uh, Peter Gammon's diamond notes from the tenth annual Moraz Block Party. Um, the rain, it was supposed to be a stormy day, but we we thought the thunderstorms would kind of pass through quickly. Right. It ended up that it was. It never really uh, was like long pockets of rain, but it did rain, and then it would stop. Then it would rain a little bit, then right. it would stop. But it was okay. But it really kept the crowd down. We usually have, I say we, uh, we, <laughs> we usually have on your block um, the uh, the um, 
Water slide, the inflatable water slide. The dunk tank. The dunk tank. Um, the usually some uh, pickup basketball. We had pickup football last year. Right. This year we had a, a wiffle ball game in the street. Um, there's also a DJ. As you mentioned, by about f- that gates open at three, even by five, six o'clock, you said late arriving crowd. What are we, Heat fans? And I thought that's <laughs> probably, yeah, exactly the best way to describe it. It did feel like that. And as we found out from others who didn't show up to our house and other hosts, many people looked up at the radar and said, well, what are we going to drive there now and get caught up in a rainstorm, not realizing the tents or anything? So we were expecting at least 40 more people at our house mm. uh, and many of the, and you could see the crowds at every other house were smaller. But I'll some say, houses did. Some houses didn't open. Right. Some houses shut it down, which was, I felt was crazy. You know, you, yeah. you pay your money in. It's it's a sad part of it. However, it didn't rule my time. No, it didn't rule my time. No. And I think overall the house could have. You know, we could have had the forty more people. But I think everybody that showed, although during dinner time when the rain came down a little heavy, kind of caused a little angst. I took it upon myself to go out there, and there's a picture of me shirtless playing can jam in the rain. Mm. I wanted to show everybody, you could survive in this rain. Let's fight through. And I thought it was my duty at, you know, as a, basically a host member yeah. to show everybody, fight through this. We could have a good time. And I did, and I thought by the end of the night, everybody, you know, I'd realized this ended up being a blast. You were the symbol of determination. Hey, look, he's out there doing it. We can do this, too. And others did follow. Remember, I was the one who did not want to rain delay in wiffle ball. Right. We, we made, I made people play through. Speaking of wiffle ball, uh, who th- this was <laughs> the most budget g- group of of ragtag wiffle ball players. Weekend warriors. Weekend warriors. Uh, we play in the street, and of course, it's the the catcher is a plastic chair, and uh, you know we set up the bases are like what the fire hydrant and uh, basically the sewer cap, a basketball hoop, and you know the the barricade for uh, and it's a bunch of guys that have not played competitively anything in years. A lot of beer bellies. Oh. And the best thing was multiple players smoking heaters <laughs> during the game. Now, if Cigarettes in mouth. Who was the starting pitcher in the tank top that just had the, the, the cigarette, the heater falling out of his mouth the whole time? My buddy Sean. I mean, and if you're looking and if I know this is not good and we should not even be really discussing it, but we will. If tobacco companies were ever looking for advertising and that was allowed to be, I mean, just come by the block party and you got pitchers and batters with the new ports hanging out of their mouth, throwing 95 mile an hour fastballs and flicking ashes in between pitches. It was something else. It looked like something out of the 1920s. <laughs> you know, just take a drag off your butt, off your heater, throw it down, and then go out there and pitch. You know, let it hang out your mouth and somehow you're holding the conversation and talking <laughs> trash as it's flapping between your lips. It's unbelievable. I had I don't think I've ever seen the starting pitcher with the heater going smoking as he's pitching. You got it's a great out, picture. Hang, hang it <laughs> you got a great picture. It looked like his tops card, you know. <laughs> he's in the stretch with the cigarette flailing out of his mouth. <laughs> That was outrageous. That was your buddy who? Uh, Sean. And he didn't struggle, by the way. He was two up, two down in that inning with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, he was good. (laughs) He was throwing heat and smoking heat. He was really good. That was a sight to behold. Um, That's just one of those things. Again, I cannot stress (laughs) at this block party, you see things that you, every year you think you can't see something new and you do. So we've talked about binge drinking, smoking heaters while playing wiffle ball, vomiting outside in the yard. Uh, it sounds like a real white trash party. <laughs> <laughs> essentially was. It essentially was. Oh, man. It was good. It was another great one, though. I mean, every year, I think it tops the previous year. Right. And as I said, you left before the DJ ended up on our front lawn playing until yeah. 1 a.m. And it turned into like a 70s disco and all the cougars were out. It was crazy. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. It's not just young people drinking and partying. You, oh, it's an eclectic crowd. Yeah, you have, uh, you've got people in your family and neighbors and people from the neighborhood that are in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, all the way up. And for those people, I mean, they're not going out every weekend like some of the young people do, so that's their bash for the year. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. They get everything that they've had bottled up all year out in one night. So, you know, yeah. when they're playing Funky Town on the front lawn, it's time for them to get, you know, get down. And that's the other thing that we'll leave you with. Uh, Cousin Zach, who's uh, an annual All-Star, as we mentioned before, paid out of his own pocket the DJ to come from down the block to into Mraz's yard right after I left. I had no idea this was going to happen and just played. The DJ spun 70s hits all night long until 1 a.m. Right. So now the DJ's paid on the block until 10 p.m. As he was wrapping up, my cousin said, where are you going, bucko? Pulled out the money and said, what could we get you to stay? And basically he, he would just pay him every hour feeding the meter. So feeding the DJ meter. Essentially, you know, anybody could call the cops in the neighborhood because I think there's a noise ordinance by 1130, yeah. but nobody was calling the cops, so the DJ played till 1 a.m. I wonder great. how much that cost. I don't want to know because I don't want to be asked to uh, chip in for yeah. any. That was, that was his problem. I didn't ask him to do it. Gosh. Again, that's such a power move by Zach. Well, when you're when you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, these yeah. are the moves you got to make. <laughs> it's so true. Got to make them. He's a true leader. He's a natural leader. Great clubhouse guy. <laughs> natural born leader. <laughs> that is the recap. Of the 10th annual Mraz Block Party, side B is right now. All right, welcome in to side B of the Permission Granted podcast. As always, the executive producer of the DA show and host of side B here on the Permission Granted podcast is Sean Mraz. That is me talking in the third person. Joined today. And uh, quite frequently, might we add, by Jolton Joe DeLuizio, the associate producer of the DA show. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, big guy. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Now, this would have been a James Ward kind of week. However, James Ward taking off for Seattle, Washington. Jimmy is out. Washington, the state, not the D.C., not the District of Columbia. Very good. Yes, he's heading off to Seattle. Uh, Him and his girlfriend or fiance fiance now like doing these fun little trips where, you know, they go check out different cities. I know he's going to check out Safeco Field. So maybe we'll get him on next week to recap that. But more importantly, Joe... This will be our last Permission Granted podcast that is taped before live football is played in front of our eyes. I am so excited. How about that? The Hall of Fame game is Sunday night. Now, there's a couple things we have to get into with the Hall of Fame game here before the big the big part of this, which is Joe will be there. Of course. The Hall of Fame game comes around, and the teams that play in it generally do not like playing in it because it forces them to play a fifth preseason game. And a lot of times you see a lot of the fourth stringers, a lot of the rookies play. And I get it. I get that the preseason can be tedious. And I know there's a lot of people who hate the preseason. And the preseason probably eventually will get cut down. Me, I love it because it's a sign of things to come. Just the idea that I'm going to see helmets with Packers and Colts on them on TV on Sunday night fires me up. Even if it's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers slinging it all over the place. Football being back and even in preseason form, I like breaking down and seeing young players get their chance and get their opportunities. I personally love the preseason, but I know I'm in the minority but regardless, just the idea of seeing the you know the field out there and seeing guys running around with the pads and the helmets is great. I 100% agree with you. And like you said, I will be at that Hall of Fame game because I am a Packers fan. And I could care less if Aaron Rodgers doesn't even take the field. I will, I will sit there and watch Brent Hundley, backup quarterback, hand it off to third-string running back, John Crockett, because <laughs> it's football, damn it, and it's the best thing out there. I'm so excited to go out there. I'm so excited to watch... Actual football, even though it's really not real football, but it's better than anything we've had to sit through the, since 
what, the Super Bowl? This has been horrendous. Yes, and now, first of all, I think you should get trademarked it's football, damn it, on a t-shirt. I think that should be your slogan. Wow, that's actually... It's football, damn it. That's actually a great idea. I think that's right up your alley. But yes, that's the big reveal I was getting to is that you will be heading to Canton. And last year you headed to Columbus, Ohio. You saw an Ohio State game. So you're no stranger to Ohio. You also headed to Green Bay, obviously. You're you're driving now the eight hours with the same cousins that went to Green Bay, right? Correct. And actually, uh, I was speaking to my cousins the other day. I think it's seven hours. Seven hours to Canton from where you live in upstate New York. Correct. No, not all the way upstate, but you know what I mean. Some yeah, further upstate than than you because you live and you guys, south of and New you guys York. drove to Wisconsin last year for a Packer game. Yeah, and I'm gonna be honest, that drive sucked. We were excited, but that how was long a, was the drive? Like 16 hours. 16. You guys don't believe in flights? Well, see, they're a family of four or five. The flights can well, get pricey. expensive. Okay. So you know, we drive we drive out there. We usually only stop for gas and bathroom. We try to combine those stops, and you know. Get out there as quick as we can. We'll be leaving uh, Friday morning, bright and early. Should get there at uh, in the early afternoon, hopefully. Okay. And there's a possibility that Friday night, check out a little Cleveland Browns camp. <laughs> Put your NFL insider hat on and go uh, see the Browns hitting. If I get to camp, I will be live tweeting Browns action. Now that's interesting. So you can follow Joe D at Joe D CBS for Browns to you know camp action. I, I really, exciting. I really hope I could get there. That's honestly a cool trip, and it's ironic that both associate producers of the DA show going away on the same weekend. James Ward and Joe D'Aloisio. Now you guys both also are producers on the weekend. Was this okay by the bosses? You yeah, guys both let, going uh, the same weekend. Yeah, let's just say uh, the bosses, the big man. Down the hall, uh, he ain't. He isn't too happy that we're both won't be here this weekend. He doesn't like when we're both off. Yeah, well, I don't blame him. Well, and I mean, all, you guys it, are both going to miss the same weekend here. I mean, what the uh, weekend relax. programming? What's going to happen here? The weekend programming will be perfectly fine. Let's be frank, though. James and I will not probably we're, we're off this weekend. We probably will not have another week off until uh, Christmas. Okay. I mean, listen, it's the summer. You're entitled to your time off now. If it came down to, now luckily the bosses are letting you guys go. You do not have a flight book, James does. So would that outweigh, would you have had to stay? Like if the bosses said, hey, between the two of you. No, hell no, I'm not staying. I would have lied. I would have said I had the flight, I had a flight book. What if he says I have to fire both of you unless one of you guys agree to stay? What are you doing? You have to fire me because yeah. I'm entitled to take a vacation? Yes, what happened? I guess I'm gone. See you. This is, this is my last PGP. So, Joe, uh, that's how much Joe wants to go to the Hall of Fame game. Now, we know, of course, that would never happen. Bosses would never put you in that situation. And, and I'm they- pretty sure that I would have some type of a lawsuit if that yes. happened. So, Of course, which is why I'm stressing. Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, whole, uh, yes, as the uh, pod, as my phone rings now. This is very rude. Very rude. Can you put it on silent? I'm putting my phone on silent. What does your wife want? It's 3.09 in the afternoon. A great point. 3.09 Eastern in the afternoon. I don't know what my wife wants. Hopefully not an emergency, but what could be more important than taping the permission to write a podcast? Obviously nothing. Obviously nothing. Okay, well, Joe, what's uh, what's the food situation going to be like? you have any restaurants picked out you're going to check out in Canton? We have no idea. Uh, I remember last, I went to Canton before. I went uh, back in 2010, I believe, when Emmett Smith and Jerry Rice got inducted. Okay. And the food situation, we did a lot of eating, like, at the actual Hall of Fame. Now, is it a small town? Like, if you ever go to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? I've never been to the, to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, but it is, like, one one area. It's, like, in the middle of a town, and that's all But I'm sure they have, you know, restaurant chilies or Fridays, right? There's a lot of that stuff. Exactly. Like, after the Hall of Fame induction, the last time we were there, we ended up at a Denny's. 
Right. I'm sure that's basically. And it was you know, unlimited pancakes or something ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Like that. You know, there's a you know a Jimmy John sub somewhere on the corner. Exactly. I don't know. We're not looking for anything crazy. I mean, because when I went to the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's really cool because it's in the middle of Toronto, the city. So, it's, you know, you walk out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, yeah, it's Toronto, city. the city is a lot more exciting than uh, can't. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's, that's what the ironic part of these Hall of Fames. I think is what I'm getting at. If you go to the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. The football hall of fame in Canton, Ohio. It's just ironic; these are always in these small towns, and these small towns basically their economy thrives off of these hall of fames. But there's only there's only so much to do. Exactly. You know what I mean? Other than that, there's nothing. To it's do. not like you you know you're rolling into Vegas with the awesome casinos and pool parties and stuff like that. It's just like you said. There's a Denny's, there's a TGI Fridays. You know, go get some potato skins and have a good time. That's what we're looking to do. It'll definitely be a cheat weekend for me. Now. I'm assuming, is. do we know the itinerary? Maybe I should look this up. Does Brett Favre speak last at the Hall of Fame induction? Actually, I have no idea. I'm you curious. know what I'm actually annoyed about? Okay. Let me, let me get this off my chest. When I went b- earlier, uh, like I said, to see Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, we had the option to uh, to buy a ticket for a, mem- for a piece of memorabilia to, to be signed. Picture, right. whatever, football, jersey, etc. And you could, you know, if I wanted Emmett Smith, I'd purchase an Emmett Smith ticket, etc., this year, and I don't know when the Hall of Fame changed this, but this year, you cannot buy an individual ticket. You're only allowed to buy one ticket, and that ticket got you an autograph from every single person that was getting inducted this season. So, like, on one piece. Exactly. So you, That's a cool autograph to have, though. Not really. Yeah, because if it has oh, the whole Hall of Fame class on one whether picture or whatever it is. I don't like that, because the, one re- the main reason why I'm going is... Is Favre? I only want okay. to really see well, Favre. Like, do I do I really want a signed football with Kevin Green, Brett Favre, Marvin Harrison, Tony Dungy, Ed DeBartolo? I think's getting inducted. Yeah, like it's just like no. I would rather that Favre. Okay. But this at, is what I'm. This is what I'm getting at, Joe. Before you finish this. Okay. So Favre does not speak last. Would you walk out after Favre's speech? Like, let's say Dungy's coming oh, up. Oh no, no, no. I'm staying for the okay, entire thing. Okay, so if you're thing. willing to stay for the entire but thing, then why different. would... That's different. No, but, like but, a piece... but you understand, Favre, this isn't about Brett Favre. This, no, it this... is. It is no, about Brett Favre. No. That's why I'm going. If Brett Favre wasn't getting inducted, I wouldn't be going. You might be going for Brett Favre, but and you so also... will most of the people there. Okay. For, I'm sure there'll be plenty of Colts fans there. There will, but I could guarantee that the Packer fans dominate the Colts fans. Okay, this is where you're losing me here. Brett Favre is sharing this day with some of the legend. By the way... You know, it's not like they're putting in Kenny Holmes into the Football Hall of Fame. I know. These are legends, and you could have a piece of memorabilia signed by everybody going into one class, including Brett Favre, and that's not good enough for you? No, I just want you like I just kid, want Brett. You like the kid in the sandlot that loses the Babe Ruth ball and gets mad at the blind guy for getting Babe Ruth with the rest of the 27 I, Yankees. <laughs> I guess you're right. But like I said, I just want Favre. I think you lost. But I really a, do think you anyway, lost. Anyway, we missed out on trying to get those tickets because that sold out in probably like three minutes. Okay, so essentially you're seeing Favre get inducted. You're going to the game and you're having Denny's. That's the trip? Pretty much. We're, uh, 16 hours in the car, basically? Yeah, there, there and back. back. Yeah. <sighs> All right, well, I mean, I guess I'll enjoy uh, you know the wedding and beach I'm at this week. I'd much rather be doing that. I don't care what you're doing. Get on I, a plane. Just get on a plane. I would have told my family, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. Yeah, you know what? I thought about that. I really did. What are you um, doing? I'll tell you what, though. If I ever end up going back to Green Bay with them, I'll meet them there. Or they could pick me up in Chicago. That's. I mean, that's too Six, much. 16 hours was a lot. The eight-hour drive isn't bad. We, Like I said, this will be my third time doing it. So That's a brutal, brutal. I mean, I'm all for road trips, but sometimes you got to lose your mind. Now, if you will. 
This is the point in program that we did last week. We got to break down the night of here. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Nerd alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. So, yes, we talked about Joe going to Canton. He's going to have a grand old time. But more important things, this show, The Night Of, is now halfway through. We are four episodes in. And what I thought was a really riveting, gripping fourth episode on Sunday night. Uh, Joe, before we get into exactly what happened, did you like the episode? Absolutely. Okay. I thought it rebounded. I thought the third episode was the weakest uh, I thought it drawing out. Now, we we have four episodes left where I personally feel like they could get this thing wrapped up in two episodes, which makes me feel like we're going to be strung along here a little bit. Yeah, I feel like it'll be a little bit of a downfall these next couple of episodes. Okay. What was your biggest takeaway from Sunday night, episode four of The Night Of? Wow. Put me on the spot here. I think that my biggest takeaway was that Nas will now have another new lawyer essentially, taking over the t- case. Essentially his third lawyer. Essentially his third. I think that's very por- important. And I also think that, um, what's his name? Totoro's Totoro. character? Stone. Stone will come back and be involved in the case again. Maybe she brings him on. Yes, I think it's... Chandra in- is her name. Chandra. Law- I think lawyer. it's interesting that uh, Jack Stone, if you will, John Stone, that he is basically doing the investigation work that Box never did. You know, he's out at the funeral, they show him at the funeral, and he's filming some kind of fight between the stepfather and a character we have not met. Which was very interesting. Very interesting. Then he's, you know, looking at photos and finding where he took it, finds out that she was in a rehab center where two former Sopranos characters come running out. So I think it's interesting that a lawyer that basically gets trashed, by the way, by uh, the one female lawyer he had, uh, that Nas had, in court, is sitting there and he's doing all the grunt work, really, and showing that he's actually a very good investigator and really painting the picture that something's about to happen here, something that Box isn't doing. And Box, I thought, would eventually help Totoro. I think I might have mentioned this last week. He seems real disgruntled with Totoro's character right now. I think Bo- I think deep down, Box knows. And doesn't want to be proven wrong now. Exactly. He knows that something's up, something doesn't match here, and he just doesn't want to give uh, Stone the... Uh, Satisfaction, Right. And it also feels like they're in a race against time, as you saw when he has the baby oil and the hot water poured on him by that character that befriends him. Which we don't even know who he really is. Who he they really never is. introduce him, but I'll get, we know I'll why get, he's in there. I'll get to a theory that I have not seen on any website with him in one second. But basically, I feel like Totoro and now Chandra, it's going to be a race against time to make sure that the system doesn't catch up with Nas where he becomes a criminal in there. Because he's innocent. You know what I mean? Like, they have to find a way to get him out beforehand. And the scenes for next week's episode show that they're, they're going to kind of go back and paint the night of and and find him, you know, find him on some cameras and all that other stuff that happened and kind of connect the dots. But that character that he befriends in prison that that is on the line when you, what do you call, commissary? Correct. Right. And then later throws the hot hot water on him. He keeps referencing that that, that his niece was murdered and shows, uh, shows Nas a picture of... The, girl murdered for some reason i don't know why he would have that why would have it very strange but if you looked at the picture and and maybe there was a moment when you blinked and the picture was gone the picture looks similar to andrea very similar to andrea's murder case and he mentions that the real killer got off and he sees her in a club and he fires a shot and and all that so my my question now is i wonder if in some twisted world those cases are connected and that same killer happens to be maybe a serial killer of some kind and that's who he sees out and and basically the ironic part is this guy wants to get back at Nas because he sees Nas through the person who killed his girlfriend where the person who really killed Andrea or killed his niece, I'm sorry. I know I'm twisting it around here. 
Jesus Christ. They could be the everybody sp- confused right. right now. My point is that picture that guy shows, whoever the murderer was that he that that he sees in the club could be the same murderer of Andrea and hence the reason Nas is in prison. That's actually I never thought of that. I, I think you here's the thing though, I think you look too deep into every little thing. I maybe, maybe you but, overanalyze. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think you overanalyze. But it. it seems the way they that Stone was at the cemetery and filming that fight between the stepfather and whoever that other character was, it seems like the, the directors and producers of the show and the writers are trying to get you to look at the stepfather. Now, I think that's official. I think where we had the theories, like you said, the stepfather, and I had said the man from outside the uh, apartment, and people have mentioned the hearse driver and all that. I feel like specifically episode four, because of that fight scene, are really getting you to look towards the stepfather. And maybe by directing you to look at the stepfather, you lose sight of everything we discussed from the first episode and what we just saw with that crime scene photo. So I'm trying, maybe it's my own fault. Maybe they will go in the obvious direction that it is the stepfather. But I feel like maybe, and maybe the stepfather's involved and it happens to do with one of these other guys. I still feel like it could be that guy outside the apartment and that happens to be the guy. That the man in jail saw at a club, and that's why his friend told him he wasn't at the crime. He was at the crime scene alone because he knows his buddy was already off on a murder rap. That's that's good thinking. You're looking really deep into it. I, so you just think you think I should be looking at the obvious instead of looking? No, not at all. I, it's actually I'm glad that you have a different opinion about it. I just what's really interesting is at the funeral when you see the stepfather mm-hmm. and the. Uh, this young man arguing, and it seems like they were arguing over money. Don't call me again. Something odd, yes. I think within the next two episodes, will we will find out right. who that guy is and what the relationship and does he, he had t- with Andrea. Does he have a tie to the rehab center? Another thing that came up was the cat. Yes. Totoro calls to see if the cat is still alive, still there, and it is. I think now, well, like we mentioned... He ends up taking that cat back. I think he does, and I also think the cat is a metaphor for Nas. He's calling the place to see if he if he's still alive, and you hear the dogs howling, just like the book that uh, the Freddy Freddy hands him with the with the dogs howling and all that. I think it's almost like hanging up at the prison and hearing the dogs howling at Nas. You know, he's gonna take the cat back. He's gonna take Nas back. I think Nas's life in prison completely changes now. That he he went up to Freddy right. and said, I need your help. And it seemed like that guy that tried to become friends with Nas, who threw the boiling hot water on him with the baby oil, is now scared for his life. Because he knows that Nas went right up to Freddy Unless do after th- the incident. Do you think he poured it on Nas because he thinks Nas should go to Freddy and he poured it on Nas for his own good? That could be a possibility, but I don't think so. I, I felt like there was some type of lack of respect between him and Freddy. Could be. I mean, boy, this Freddy thing is weird, too. Like, what does he—I know he says he picked Nas because he's educated and all that, but what does Freddy want? Like, there's got to be something in return. Freddy seems like he has the life in prison. Like, if I ever went to prison, I I would want to be Freddy. Right, but nothing's for free. I think we know this in the world, right? So, like, what is not—like, what is in return? Is this where Nas gets caught up in the system and he ends up having to do illegal favors for Freddy? Like, he becomes Freddy's middleman in jail. Kind of, yeah. It's a possibility. There's a lot going on here, and a lot to look forward to. So— 
You're still sticking with the stepfather after four I'm episodes. I'm still going with the stepfather. The fact that we haven't really seen, you know, this is the first time we've seen him since, what, episode two, really? Right, and they're certainly trying to point in that direction. You know, I, th- I think I'm going to st- stick with that theory. Also, before we let go, it's also noted that when Nas is in the court and is going to plead guilty and doesn't because he tells a story, it starts to seem like Nas is starting to dig up some kind of memory of that night through his drug-induced haze. We see a little bit of, of the flashbacks. A little bit of the flashbacks, and I wonder if, Deep and deeper and deeper, it's starting to come back to Nas, where it's somewhere in the back of his brain, and maybe he could help point the lawyers in that direction. I'm hooked. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, you actually won't be able to see episode five live because you'll be at the Hall of Fame game. Well, I can't see any episode live because oh, at I'm at work, but I, I will. I guarantee you I will watch the night of right after the Hall of Fame game. HBO Go on your phone? HBO Go on the iPad. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, Joseph. Beautiful. Well, have fun at Canton. Um... Uh, if you guys, by the way, have any night of theories that we you think we missed here on episode four, please tweet at Joe at Joe D C B S. Please tweet at me at Mraz C B S. Believe me, Night of fans, we're all in this together. Right? Are we in this together, Joe? We're all in this together. We're all in this together. You have anything else to add? Any suggestions about Canton or the surrounding area, restaurants, etc., hit me up at Joe DCBS. So essentially, he's looking for not unlimited pancakes at Denny. So any other uh, suggestions like the nearest Applebee's would be greatly appreciated for him. <laughs> All right. Take care, America. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.